We're going to talk about Christmas gifts a little bit. We've been in a series, we're approaching Christmas, and the reality with Christmas is so often it just brings kind of bad feelings to many people. Some of us, man, it's the best season of the year, but we just want to admit for some, maybe many, uh, you kind of get the holiday blues. And one of those areas we want to talk about is just around Christmas gifts, kind of consumeristic ideas and materialism and greed and just all the stuff that can kind of come around that. Or maybe just the pressure and try to figure out like the perfect gift for someone. When I was a little kid, I had fantastic gift ideas for myself. (laughs) Most little kids do. I just want to commemorate, this is the 32nd, I think this meme is actually a year old, this should be the 33rd anniversary of me not getting the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier for Christmas. (laughs) You know, we all want to give meaningful gifts, right? But it's not like the olden days. Like my kids, they read Little House in the Prairie, and you know, in their stockings they get a cup. Finally, they have their own cup to drink out of. It's amazing. One little shiny penny and maybe like two pieces of candy. Gone are those days. Back then, Christmas gifts were kind of like these necessity things. Like a little kid would be really happy to get a pair of socks because they probably didn't have any. Now if you give me a pair of socks, I mean, actually, I'd I'd be okay with that. (laughs) But I'm 44 years old. Little kid, nah, uh uh-uh. And what do you give the person who makes twice as much money as you? Right? It's not like they need anything. They don't need socks. If they need socks, they go buy some. It's not just that they've covered their needs. They've also covered their wants. And so the pressure of figuring out what to give them, it just mounts up. Like, what are you going to spend that's going to actually feel special to them? That is really hard to figure out. It's, but So for me... I did not get this, I did want this, but I did get something I wanted that year, and that was the animal. Do you guys remember this? Any of you little, like, the commercial for this was what sold me on it. It had these wheels that when they went forward, these claws would come out to give it grip, and then it could go up hills, and there's, you know, all these really happy kids in the end. I'm like, I'm going to be that kid when I get this, and the anticipation is building, and I open up the present, and there it is. And it was great for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and it kind of climbed hills, and it was good. And by mid-afternoon, maybe this is just me because I'm like this existential dread type of person, and I was back then too, but the anticipation that I thought of the satisfaction that I was going to receive from this thing with claws in the wheels didn't deliver. And I grew up a little bit, felt a little disillusioned. The reality is I think all of our hearts get caught up in the idea that maybe this thing that I'm going to get is going to bring some satisfaction to me. I don't know if it will. I know some people do fall for that. I don't know who actually does this. (laughs) You've seen the Lexus commercials with the big red bows on them. I mean, it's like, oh, yes, it's that time of year where people in commercials buy cars without telling their significant others like complete psychopaths. Like, hey, honey, I hope you don't mind getting a second job to pay for this Christmas present I just got for you. Just spent $60,000 on 
Lexus is probably more than that. But anyway, as far as that goes, please don't tell me happy Honda days when you know my family celebrates Toyotathon. <laughs> the ads are ridiculous, right? Like, who's going to do that? Maybe there are some people doing that. But honestly, whether it's a silly little truck with retractable claws in the wheels or a brand new Lexus or Tesla or whatever else is on your list, it's not going to satisfy our true longing. C.S. Lewis described it as this longing for something more. You come up alongside it, maybe in your hobbies, like the smell of fresh cut wood or the water slapping against the side of the boat or whatever it is, but that isn't the thing itself. You found in yourself a desire for more than this world can satisfy. A great gift you get, it gets you close to it. That satisfying experience, though, you can't quite grab it. But if you get that feeling this Christmas, I'm going to try to give some practical advice today. Some of it, maybe you're going to have to figure out on your own, but maybe like the first tip is if you feel dissatisfaction, let that tell the truth to your soul that nothing in this world can satisfy you. You're made for something else. You're made for a satisfaction that one day is possible for you to feel, but nothing on this side of the sun is going to be able to do it. But anyway, we're in this magical multi-month period, you know, mostly in America, but all across the world, focused on purchasing goods and distributing them to one another. We just sort of settle into this. You get a gift card, everybody gets... This is when I run out of Christmas gift ideas, right? That's when it gets really, really crazy because you show up for the family gift exchange and everybody got everybody else a gift card and it's just like redistribution. <laughs> and boy, does that kill joy in my opinion. Now, maybe you're one of those people that's like, man, give me all the gift cards so I can figure out I just want... I know what I want and you don't know what I want. But for me... You give me the wrong gift, that's great, as long as I can tell that you put some thought into it and actually cared about me. I'd rather not get a gift card. I'd rather get something hokey that just says you were thinking about me. Try to be creative with it. Now, maybe that thing for somebody in your family or for someone in your life, you know, man, they love gift cards. That's awesome. Be creative. Do that. But like I said, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of practical tangibles that I can give you to, to, to just grab onto for ideas. Like, here's just a, maybe a couple. One, when our kids were little, we realized the grandparents were going to give a lot of things. And they ended up being weird things like the little zebra that the kid could ride on that played the little song. And after about five minutes, that song's annoying. But after three months, you want to throw the thing out the tra into the trash. Like, it's awful. So we approached grandparents and we said, hey, what if instead of giving material gifts, you give us activities? And suddenly we, were, we had zoo memberships and museum passes, and that was really, really cool. That's an idea. Now, that's not going to work for everybody, but it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we need to be creative, right? <laughs> There's pressure. So maybe we could go to the Bible. And see if the Bible tells us something about gifts. In our play that we just watched, this is one of the main verses that was highlighted. I think Brayton said this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And if you're familiar with what God gave in the gift of Jesus, you know that God was born as a baby and he grew up. 
in order to die for our sins on a cross. God's gift to us in Jesus, the gift of himself to us, cost him his life. That was a very expensive gift. I think one principle I'd like to pull out of this verse for us is love. God so loved. The gift was costly, but God's love drove him to do it. He loved us. He treasured us. His heart was for us. It reminds me of Matthew 6, 21, where Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When love takes over, that feeling of maybe just like obligation, like I'm obligated to do this, that goes away. And instead, you open up your bank account. Now, you may not want to do that all the way because I don't advocate going into debt for people. But I just want to highlight my kids because ever since they've been conscious of Christmas, when I take them out one by one to get a Christmas gift for their mom, they empty their piggy banks. They bring all of it, pockets full of change, whatever it is. And I'm like, guys, you don't have to spend every dime you have on your mother but their heart is with her. Remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your heart is, there your treasure will flow. Maybe that's a backwards way of looking at the verse, but I'm okay with that application. <laughs> I think maybe the principle I'd like to draw out first from this is that gift giving is better motivated by love for the person that you're giving to rather than an obligation. <sighs> rather than responding to some sort of expectation. But we might struggle with that, too, because maybe the person that we drew for the family secret Santa is someone we just can't stand. It's hard. But I remember that God showed his love, this love, this expensive, costly love that cost him his life for me while I was still a sinner. Romans 5.8 says that. He died even though I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy of being loved. It was kind of like this one-sided thing. But I think it's a good model for us. And I don't want to just stop there because I think there's more to help us in that. The gift that God gave us in this baby, this baby born, God born as a human in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word meaning God, the divine spirit. He became flesh. The divine broke into this earth and actually took on human flesh. He became material and became this, this, this person, tangible. And he made a home. His dwelling place was among us. Someone once told me that they fight materialism and consumerism at Christmas by only focusing on the spiritual so they don't give or receive any gifts in December. There's no tree, no light, so they can just focus on Jesus. And I don't necessarily want to be prescriptive about this, but when you give a gift, it's a tangible material thing. When God, who was spirit, decided to give us the ultimate gift, he didn't give us an idea or a thought or a sentiment. He showed his love by giving us something tangible, material, that we could touch, feel, smell, hear, a person. Jesus. I think that gives us a lot of permission to show our love in the tangible, the material, in a physical gift. Don't necessarily separate those two. Obviously, there's extremes on each side of this spectrum that we don't want to fall into. 
but maybe there's another way to fight materialistic, consumeristic thoughts than just doing away with gifts altogether. When we read more about this baby that was born, there were shepherds out in the field at the time. They were visited by angels, told the good news. This was also in our musical, this verse, Luke 2. Uh, and the angel said to them, said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I give you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we get a baby that unto us is born, given a gift, this baby who will be a savior. So I was looking through the Bible and I was like, okay, so God gave us a gift. Is there any place where we give him a gift? Like, you know, the gift exchange where I drew his name and he drew my name and I bring my thing and he brings his thing. So he brought the baby. Uh, here's, the, here's an actual photograph of the first moment where this exchange happened. So they got the baby. And these, uh, these three, three guys, these astrologers, they saw something in the stars and something made them take this long journey and they brought these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. They worshipped him, they got, they got him, and then they gave him gifts. So this is the first gift exchange. Just to be perfectly clear, these gifts are for your birthday and Christmas. So if you're blessed to have a birthday close to Christmas, you know what I'm talking about. Someone I know who was born on Christmas Day actually celebrates his birthday in June. Just to separate the two so he can get twice the gifts. Now, I think gold, frankincense, and myrrh were pretty good gifts back then. There's a lot of symbolism in each one that I won't really get to go into, but I wonder if Mary was like, yeah, that's great. Thanks for the frankincense. It's going to come in real handy. Should have brought some diapers and some burp cloths and, I don't know, maybe a casserole. <laughs> But what did the gift of the baby get the wise men and all of us in this exchange? Well, in Romans 5, by sending his own son, this is actually Romans 5, 3. Did I get these backwards? Uh, I didn't actually put it in. Oh, there it is. Ah, I got something going wrong here. There we are. Romans 5, 3, by sending his own son, that's God sent his own son, Jesus, as a gift, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So our sins were condemned in him. His flesh bore the condemnation that we deserved. Our sins were condemned. This is, some theologians call this the great exchange, and that is related to this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21 where Paul wrote, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died in our place, he bore our condemnation. He, so bring your sin to God. It's, uh, it is a weird exchange. Bring your sin to God. You don't have to bring gold or frankincense or myrrh or diapers or burp claws or, you know, G.I. Joe aircraft carriers. Bring your sin to God and he'll give you his son. That's the transaction. And not just his son, but what his son has done for you. Forgiveness of sin, salvation, righteousness. That means to be in right standing with God. It feels a little bit one-sided. That's why I titled this Terrible Gift Ideas. Because here's our first idea for this gift exchange for us. As we bring our sin, give it to God. Put that under the Christmas tree for Jesus. Because he says he wants to take it. He's glad to take it. And in its place, he's going to give you his righteousness. But honestly, this thing, this good news, right? That passage in Luke, 
good news of great joy that will be for all people. It goes way beyond just forgiveness. I think we kind of stop there. We think that forgiveness is the extent of the good news. Okay, all my sin's been done away with. Awesome, I'm good. But it's so much more than that. The good news of Jesus was spoken in a prophecy 700 years before Jesus was actually born. If you would, just turn with me to Isaiah 61 in your Bible. If you're looking at one of the house Bibles, one of these, it's on page 620. I'd just like to go through this because there's some things that are going to get exchanged here. Just like in this verse where we bring our sin and we get his righteousness There's some really good news for a lot of different things. Starting in verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's good. That's good. Good news to the poor. I was looking up the Hebrew on poor. There's a little asterisk there. Um, And if you look down in the little notes at the bottom, um, it says, or afflicted. Good news to the afflicted. It seems like maybe poor isn't necessarily just a monetary thing, though it could be affected by a monetary issue. It seems to be like a condition of the heart. Afflicted, depressed, like kind of pushed down into a humble place inside. Like that's how I'm feeling. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Good news. The prophet is saying, hey, I get it. Human beings, you're lowly of heart. The human condition is this weary, depressed place where you're living in a broken world. But don't worry, I've got good news for you. Because someone is coming to take care of that problem. We're going to give you the gift of Jesus. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. I liked the NIV as I read that, New International Version. It said to provide for those who grieve in Zion and give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. To provide, bring provision. Bring your grief and he'll give you provision and give you this beauty instead of the ashes that exist in your soul. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint Spirit, a Savior is coming, and it's good news. And the angel came to the shepherds in Luke 2. He said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And so later when he's grown up, Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue, and as was the custom, they handed the rabbi, him, the scroll. And that day they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and he opened it up, and he read from this passage. He read it. And he rolled the scroll back up, and he handed it back to the attendant, and he said, don't miss this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. I'm him. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus said. I'm him. The Lord has anointed me, that's Jesus, to bring good news to the poor. Of course, they freaked out because they recognized that he was calling himself God. 
But he said, that's me, I'm here, I see you, I see the human condition. 700 years ago, this was prophesied that I would be this gift that would come and I would bring you the good news. I see what you're going through. Rest, I've got this. And I think we can feel a lot of the things that are listed in here around the holidays. So Isaiah 61, right away there it says, He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The poor in heart, the depressed, the downtrodden. Is that your state right now? It may be. Bring it to Jesus and the great exchange. Allow him to bring this good news. To lift your spirit. And then we have for the broken. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you're feeling broken, brokenhearted, disillusioned, this depression inside, he's going to bind that up and bring healing. Exchange that. It does feel kind of one-sided. What's he getting out of this? And then for the captives, liberty, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Do you feel... Imprisoned by something? That thing's got a hold of you and you just can't stop. You're stuck. He's saying, I'm going to open those doors. That prison gate, those bars, just open wide for you. Bring me that thing and I'll give you liberty. The big exchange. For mourning, comfort. Comfort all who mourn. For grieving, provision to... Grant provision to those who mourn. Instead of ashes, there's beauty. (sighs) Bring him your ashes. Allow this exchange to take place. For mourning, joy. I love that. Mourning and you get comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, oh tidings. Bring me your sadness and I'll exchange it for joy. Instead of despair, praise. You know how hard it is to to praise when you're in despair? There's a verse that says, bring him your anxiety. You know what he's going to give you? Peace. It'll go beyond understanding. Let that exchange happen. It really does seem like we get the better end of the deal. And what we bring him really are terrible things, terrible gift ideas. But that's what he's wanting us to do. Exchange our sin for his righteousness, our sadness for his joy. It's a crazy thing being offered to us. It seems too good to to be true, and it seems maybe you've been around church for a while, and you feel like, yeah, that's kind of abstract. These are just words. Like, how do I get this into my experience? I want it. Maybe you're here and you're new here. Maybe you just came to see your friend's kid in the Christmas musical, and you're like, what is all this? (laughs) But yeah, I want what's on that right side of this column. How do I get it? Well, it's actually not that complicated. The Bible talks about it. This book is full of this idea of how to get these gifts. It's all about the presence of God. From start to finish, that's one of the primary points of this whole communication, is that we can only thrive in the presence of God. We were created in the presence of God, and we'll end up in the presence of God. But in this middle point, humanity's problem is that we thought we could get good things. We thought we could do this better than 
God. And we walked away from him. And that is the problem in this world. We rejected the gift of his presence and replaced it with death and suffering. And everything is broken as a result. The dissonance you feel, the dissatisfaction with your gifts, the dissonance within your family sometimes, that's because we walked away from the presence of God. And he's offering us the gift of Jesus in order to bring us back into that presence. It's a way back, a way back into the family. So how do you get it? Well, the Bible says you just receive it. You just receive it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is accept it. Make this the center verse of my teaching today. John 1.12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I put a the in there accidentally. Matthew 7, there's a verse that just says, and Jesus says it, he says, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Hebrews 4, 16, it says, approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness. It doesn't really say how, it just says, do it. There's no, no, no hoop you have to jump through, no like, consistent work you have to do. You just get it. Be that little kid on Christmas morning whose parents just broke the bank. You open up that gift, it's yours. Now, you could choose to reject it, but why would you reject such an amazing thing? (laughs) I just picture, if I had gotten that G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, I picture that verse, you know, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. I could cast my cares on that gift It wouldn't care for me the same way that Jesus would. I can actually bring him my anxiety and he'll give me peace. Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Come to me in the middle of your need, whatever it happens to be. And I think, honestly, most of us, many of us, don't come to God because we don't feel like we're holding up our end of the bargain. We feel like we need to give him a Lexus with a bow on top, but there's no way we could possibly afford it. Honestly, the exchange sort of feels like he's giving me the Lexus, and I've baked a bunch of poop into cookies, and I'm handing that to him as like a good thing. It's awful, but that's kind of how, when I think about my life, I'm like, man, I just don't. He says, just come. He doesn't care about all that. Because whatever I end up doing, it's not really going to be all that valuable. It's kind of like, here's maybe analogies only go so far, but this is what I could come up with. Just trying to think of, like, what does God get out of his end of the deal as I bring my brokenness and my anxiety and my depression and everything else? It's like this little end table. We pick this up. Years and years and years ago, and at one point, the, the top fell off of it. And we were like, man, now you've got to figure this out. It's like sitting on the edge of our, our couch, and we put our coffee on it. And, and our son, who was really, really little at the time, he discerned that Sarah would be blessed by a new end table. And he decided he was going to fix this. So he's really little, and he picked the top up and picked the bottom up, and he went into the garage, and he disappeared. He's like, I'm going to do something great for mom do something awesome and he took two nails and he put the top back on and he drove those nails through the top to put the top back on 
And the top looks like this. So one of the nails, I don't know how he managed to drive a finished nail through solid oak. But one of them went all the way in. The other one, not so much. And I tried to get a good photo of it, but it's really hard, but you, you can't really tell. All over the entire tabletop were just hammer marks because he kept missing. And then finally that one just bent over, and so he just slammed it into the top, and it didn't really work. And the reality is if we put this up for sale at a garage sale, it probably wouldn't even sell. It's worthless. But we'll never, ever, ever, ever get rid of this thing because it reflects our son's heart and his relationship with us. Every single time I look at it, and I've actually had to re-put the top on because he didn't even succeed in actually doing that. <laughs> but I did it, and it's in our living room, and it's always going to be in our living room. And it's not because my kid is so great or that he succeeded in doing it. My kids have sinned. They've done things wrong, but really, honestly, as a father, I don't really see those things in comparison to just my kids' hearts. This, in its, all of its imperfections, represent my son's heart and his desire for me and his desire for his mom. And that means everything. It's priceless. And that's all Jesus wants from you. Your heart. He's saying to you, I'm your father. No matter what you've done, no matter even how you feel of the worthiness of what you could actually do for me, I'm willing to go through everything for you. That's what I would do for my kids. I would die for my kids. If you're a parent, you'll probably understand that feeling. And it's not because they're so great at fixing tables. <laughs> or really anything else they could give us materially. So I'm just thinking about what would Jesus get out of this exchange? I, I think of this verse, Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross what was the joy set before him a relationship with us it wasn't anything we could bring him other than that it was just our presence and I just wonder if maybe this is why we give gifts at Christmas because God wanted to do this exchange with us we bring our lives no matter what condition they're in and he gives us healing liberty provision comfort joy his presence for all eternity, restored, renewed perfectly. And all you have to do is receive it. Maybe that's got your attention right now. And maybe you've never accepted that or received it, but you're feeling right now that you want to. I just want to say that's the Holy Spirit drawing you towards a relationship with God. Are you going to respond? All you have to do is say, yes, that's a gift I want to have. I believe that Jesus really became a human, really grew up, and died on a cross, and a great exchange was made possible where I could just give him my sin and I would get his righteousness. But not only that, I would get everything that he is in his presence for all of eternity. So what does that do for us tangibly and practically at Christmas? I'm not sure. As you discern and try to decide with wisdom and with your resources and the people in your life what to give and how to give. It's kind of like all the other commands in the Bible. 
the love one another's verses, the bear one another's burdens. Like, it's not like those things get a ton easier to follow when you are following Jesus. But what following Jesus does for you is it gives you some fuel and some reason behind and energy behind actually how you're going to do it. It gives you a little bit of a gleam in your eye, especially as you approach a family member who maybe you don't quite get along with. Because if you were a captive and Jesus has opened the prison you're in, if you were mourning and Jesus has given you joy and comfort, if you have praise instead of despair in your life, you can approach the need to put a little extra effort into creativity with that person who has everything or that person you don't get along with. You can do it with some energy. You can do it with a gleam in your eye. You might find that moment that even... You came up with a great gift, but that moment of handing it to them, you made this memory with the person and the relationship that reflects this relationship that you have with God, and that was more valuable even than the material thing that you got them. And it's all fueled by the gift of Jesus that you were offered and you freely received, and ultimately his presence in your life. And it's not only just that, that it helps with your present. There's a future. It's one of my favorite verses in the, all of the Bible because Jesus promises us this future time. And this is how I'm going to close because we've got to be done. This time right now is pretty temporary. Our future is forever. Jesus conquered death itself, and when you trust in him and you believe in his son, you get, get the right to become a, a child of God. Well, that means for all of eternity past death. And it's far more real even than the reality that we're experiencing right now. It's far more healthy. It's far more full of life and joy. It's, way, it's everything you're longing for in that Lexus with a bow on top, plus a billion. <laughs> what you feel right now, you won't always feel. Instead, there's a future reality guaranteed. And the psalmist said so long ago, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. Will you receive that gift that's freely offered to you? Let's pray and be done. Well, Jesus, for all of us, as we're looking ahead to the next couple of weeks, help us to sit in your presence for a bit. Help us to find the time to do that. Maybe instead of rushing into whatever we have going on for the rest of this weekend, maybe we could just sit at your feet and just absorb. It's just side effects of being in your presence. It's just everything that you are. You are love. Joy just, it just, just flows out of you, and it's free. We just love for some of that to rub off on us as we go into these next couple of weeks. Help us as we open presents on Christmas morning to not get caught up in the materialism or the consumerism of what's there. We want to enjoy those good gifts. Help us to see the greatest gift. The Son, the Son of God, become human, dwelling among us, who would die and offer us that greatest gift exchange where we give him our sin and he gives us his righteousness and we have his presence forevermore.
Help us to track with that. Jesus, and thank you for this morning. Thank you for all these wonderful people. Thank you for the next couple weeks and just the fun that we're going to have. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you guys for joining us today. We'll see you guys next week.